Amen. You may be seated this morning. I'm going to invite uh, all of our deacons who can to come and sit on some of these front rows as we are about to partake of one of the very special privileges of the New Testament church. And I want to invite, we have many guests with us today, but you know, even from the Old Testament law, uh, it was given that anyone who was visiting were to be treated uh, as family. Well, the great news in the new covenant through the blood of Jesus Christ, whether uh, you're a one-time guest that lives off and happen to be in town or uh, whether you are a repeat guest or whether you're the longest member of Eastside, if you are born again, you are invited to partake of the Lord's table. Jesus died to set men free. And if you have been set free, the Bible says you are free indeed. And so we want you to partake. And just a few little housekeeping items. Thank the Lord for a one-stop shop communion in a cup. Uh, the bread is in there. The juice is in there. And so if you'll just follow with us on the instructions, we will uh, enjoy one of the two ordinances of the church. You know, just as the Passover was the preparation for Israel's exodus going forward out of the bondage of Egypt and the plan to enter into the promised land, so was the Lord's Supper. It was no different. In the fact that when they came together and partook of that Passover, that even this weekend, Jews around the world celebrated, they did so in remembrance of God setting His children free from the bondage of Egypt and carrying them into the promised land. But you know, for the death angel to have passed by, the blood had to be applied. Jesus was signifying his exodus from the world as he sat at this Lord's Supper. I joke, we don't have uh, evening service right now, and so I joke that we were having the Lord's brunch this morning. But whether you do it in the morning service, in the middle of the day, or at night, it is the Lord's table. And we do so looking back at Jesus signifying that he was exiting the world through the cross and his plan for others to experience the promise of eternal glory through his shed blood. You see, today we have a threefold look at this table. The Bible is very clear. That in this threefold look, first of all, we have the historical look or the look backward. We remember, as we sang so many wonderful songs this morning, and, and Matt and I were talking, it's hard to pick out songs and prepare a message for Easter. And you say, how? It's Easter. Because every single song, if you're a believer in Christ, that is a real spiritual song, a hymn, is all about Jesus. And so which one do you pick? They're all wonderful if they lift up the name of Jesus. But today we look backward. He said, do it in remembrance of me. Over 2,000 years ago, God did that which was impossible in the flesh of man. In that God, Lord himself in the person of the Son, obeying his Father and left glory and was born of a virgin and came and lived without sin. We remember his sinless life. How many times have you read in the gospel where they challenged him and they tried to trick him, whether it was the priest or whether it was the lawyers or whatever it may be, they were always trying to cause him to stumble and yet he did not fail to fulfill the task of the Father. We look back at not only his sinful life, but his sacrificial death. Oh, the rugged cross, our salvation, where his love was poured out for you and me. It's not only a look back in the historical realm, 
But it is a personal look as we look inward. He said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, but, or verse, uh, chapter 11, rather, and verse 28, he says, but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of that cup. You see, we need to examine ourselves one of three ways. Number one, are you saved? Not are you doing really good, not, man, I'm, I'm back in church, I'm, I'm going to church real regular. I, I'm giving more than I've ever given. I've been baptized six or seven times. I'm good. No. Are you born again by the blood of Jesus? For you see, there was no house, no matter how good the family in Egypt, if the blood was not applied to the door of that home, that child died. And I want you to understand in the most loving terms, that's why Jesus died, because He loves you. The Father loves you. You will not get to glory except through the precious blood of the Lamb. Examine yourself right now. And listen, I, I, I want you to get this. You don't see a casket down here today. This is not a funeral. This is a celebration of one who died but is living. Amen? And so we celebrate. Now, we don't need to be going to the bathroom, moving around, or anything like that. It's a very holy, holy and sacred time. But listen, it shouldn't be just a holy hush. Maybe you feel the awe of His holiness, and, and it is a holy hush. But maybe you want to shout in the glory of, I am saved by the blood of the Lamb. The second way we need to look inward, are we surrendered? Are we completely sold out to what God wants for our life? He said, any man that takes in an unworthy manner, Doing so without first checking himself and saying, I'm saved, but I'm not doing what God wants me to do. There's hidden sin in my life. I'm not what I once was, and I'm not what I need to be. God, forgive me and cleanse me as a believer that I would be surrendered. And are we serving? I'm thankful for these men today. They are the deacons, the ordained deacons the body of deacons here at Eastside Baptist Church. You know what this, this row recognizes? This is our servers. Now when I say servers, I'm not talking about just handing out the cup of bread and juice. I'm talking about the word diakonos literally meaning server of tables. Yesterday I saw deacons rolling tables and moving chairs. I saw deacons parking people and sweating over the cooking. Not in the cooking, but over the cooking. These men served. And there's so much you don't see as they serve. I thank God for lives well lived that are an example to us to serve others. Are we serving as Jesus served, but then we look forward. You see, it's not just a historical and a personal look, it's a prophetical look. If we look around at the world, I don't know about you, but I feel overwhelmed. If I look at everything I got to do in just one day, I feel overwhelmed. But if I look forward to knowing because of the cross, because of Jesus, this is not all there is. You see, I've attended the funerals of family members. And I've preached a whole bunch of them. But I've never saved a single one. And the greatest joy of a pastor's life in a funeral type service is knowing without a doubt because of their testimony that they're with the Lord. One day the Lord's coming back for the rest. And those who are dead in Christ shall rise. And those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together within them in the air. Jesus has not forgotten us, church. And so we look 
forward. Today I want to ask our men if they would to stand and we're going to pray and ask God's blessings over this time and then they will serve and then I'll give you the instructions or partaking. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you. Father, there are no words in any language that suffice for the joy you have given us and the freedom that is Christ to thank you for what you have done for us at Calvary. May that not be lost on us as safe believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, that we remember what you've done. Lord, as lost people here that you love, Lord, that they would trust you even now, that our hearts should be right, that men are not listening to me, women are not listening to me, kids are not listening to me. They're praying and saying, God, make my heart right, forgive me, so that we partake of this in the joy that is Christ. Bless the bread as we remember your body nailed to a cross. Bless this juice as we do it symbolically of every drop of blood you shed for the sins of the world. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen.
kind of like one of those time glasses. Don't spill it. Man, I'm just overwhelmed. Who Jesus is. That this is not some ritual. This is literally a time of remembrance. Jesus died for me. He died for you. And today we're set free. If we are born again, no matter what people think of us, no matter what the world says or what is thrown at us, I'm saved by the blood of the Lamb. If you will, peel the side with the bread. The little side. I think it's not uh, a mistake that the Lord speaks first of his body and partaking of the bread and then we wash it down with the blood of the lamb. As you take this and I read it into your remembrance, the Bible says, and when he had given thanks, thanking the Lord for what he was about to do, thanking the Lord, his father, for what he had done. He said, take eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Amen. And after the same manner, as you open your cups, God's word says that he took the cup and when he had supped, he said, this cup is the new covenant. This is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Amen. What a joy to know Jesus Christ as Savior. You know, this year we have been looking at a theme for our church of forward. From Moses standing on the brink of the Red Sea and lifting the rod and saying, stand still in the salvation. And God said, okay, yes, stand here and see, but now it's time to go forward. We can't just stand here and admire. You must move forward. And we've been going through that journey as they crossed the Red Sea, as God sent water from the rock and manna from, manna from heaven. But today we kind of jump forward because all of that is simply a type and shadow of the story of salvation in the new covenant through Jesus Christ. So I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. And gentlemen, if you'd like to go sit back with your wives, you're more than welcome to do so. Or if you don't, you're probably, you probably ought to. Let's just do that. My wife is not here today. She's visiting with her brother uh, who had a birthday. And uh, so, hey, baby, I'll see you when you get home tonight. Uh, we miss having her today. But it's a joy to be in the house of the Lord. And so... Starting in Matthew 20 and verse 17. And Jesus going up to Jerusalem. If you come tonight for our uh, presentation of uh, our trip, we're planning for going to the Holy Land next February. You'll see that no matter what angle you take from the north, south, east, or west, if you go to Jerusalem, you have to go up. And so they went up to Jerusalem Jesus took the 12 disciples apart in the way and he said to them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priest and unto the scribes and they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him. And the third day he shall rise Again, notice in today's text, Jesus pauses for just a moment. Now, 
I mean, he's literally, he's just rode in in this triumphal entry. He's seeing God, uh, God is moving on him or as he prepares to go into the city. All of this is happening so fast. And Jesus knows because that's why he left heaven. And yet he pauses for just a moment to teach his 12 apostles and, and today us a few lessons on his way to the cross. There was never any doubt or even wavering on the part of Jesus when it came to his mission. The cross did not catch Jesus off guard, church. Jesus was determined from the start to move forward through his three and a half year ministry. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah said, I have set my face like flint to do his will, and I know that I will triumph. You see, Jesus had set his face like a flint to go to Jerusalem and face the cross. Here are some lessons that we can learn today. Three very explicit things that I want us to see. First of all, Jesus went forward in surrender. Not, to dis not despite surrender, not in spite of surrender, but he went forward in surrender. Look again with me in chapter 21 or 20, verse 18. I go up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man shall be betrayed. They'll condemn him, deliver him to the Gentiles, mock, scourge, crucify him. But then I will rise again. I want you to understand there is no getting around the fact that Jesus came to the earth to die for our sins. This world sometimes has a problem and they call it the bloody gospel and everything's so bloody and why do you got to talk about that? Because my friends, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. It was surrender. He went forward in it and the surrender was to suffer. His, his surrender was to suffer. First of all, he said from the priest, from the scribes, he was suffering at the hands of religion. Oh, how the church has turned its back on the gospel today. We have infighting in denominations, outfighting throughout the world, and our focus should be on lifting up Jesus, not ourselves. See, the priests saw Jesus as a threat. They wanted to remove that threat. I've seen churches split because People begin to be saved and baptized and the church begins to grow and there's a lot of new faces. Thank God we haven't had this. Thank God for a church that works together across ethnic and, and uh, racial and age lines and comes together for the common cause of reaching the world with Jesus. But I've seen churches split because the older group, the family that controlled things, says we don't like this because we're losing power. Church, we must beware of those that try to promote religion over the idea of surrender. If we're going to be surrendered, we're going to understand there'll be suffering involved. And sometimes it's at the hands not only of religion, but it's at the whim of politics. Have you seen what's going on in the world today? Could you have dreamed that there would be such an all-out assault on religious liberty, on the foundational principles of the faith, but on the logic and on the principles that God made man and God made woman. And yet, at the whim of politics, we call evil good and good evil. And the world, make no mistake about it, is coming after the church. Whether it's doing so through the long, night of the long knives or whether it's through the bombing from the sky or bombing our hearts through the indoctrination of social media and through a, a false religion and through the agnosticism, uh, the pluralism and the relativism that's being taught not just in our our colleges, it's being taught in our elementary schools. It's being taught in our middle and high schools. 
My friends, world time still depends on one. And that's B.C. and A.D. And it's Jesus who split it. Not a common error. Not a, it is a common error for them to think that Jesus does not control time. It's at the whim of politics. Pilate knew. Pilate said, I find no fault in him. There's nothing wrong with him. I've looked. I've, I've sent out feelers. There's nothing wrong with him. Have you ever heard somebody said, well, I, I don't like them. Well, why do you not like them? I don't know. I just don't. Well, what, what, did they do something? No. Do you know something? No. Well, why do you not like them? I just don't like them. Well, that was the scheme with Pilate. His wife said, don't do it. Whatever you do, don't touch that man. But because of the political pressure, he had the Jews breathing down his neck on one side and the Romans breathing down the other. And they said, oh, you'll lose your seat if you don't tend to this. This is, this is an uprising. This is a coup. You better put it down. And Jesus suffered like no man had. He suffered at the betrayal of friends. All of us have felt betrayed before. It's nothing new. And, and I want to encourage you. You're in good company if you suffer betrayal because you're stand for Christ. Listen, if you're faithful to church, they'll stop inviting you to some things that you used to go to. And at first you'll think, well, I'm offended they wouldn't ask me. But you really, if you want to serve God, you don't want to be invited. You don't want to go where you used to go. Do the things you used to do. The more you are sold out to Christ, the quicker you can clear a room when you walk in. There'll be the betrayal of friends, the people you were tight with, that now they see and they, here's their idea. You got religion. I'm going to tell you, I didn't get religion. I got Jesus. They told me when I surrendered to, my, to God's call on my life to preach, they said, ah, oh, he'll get over it in a year or two, maybe. Probably before that, knowing him. He's so flighty, he's up and down and hot and cold. That was in 1984, and I hadn't got over it yet. You hear me? I thought about this coming this morning. This is the 10th Palm Sunday I drove to Eastside Baptist Church. The 10th one. I thought of how things have changed. I've come from different directions. We've lived in three houses over 10 years. And now I've actually am driving something different than I did the other nine. And I'm so grateful to be able to do it, but you know nothing has changed. Jesus still died on the cross. It's still about Jesus. And we're still going to see him again when we trust him. Listen, Jesus went forward in surrender. And the surrender was to suffer. But listen, he completed the work he was sent to do. Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He started the paragraph and put an exclamation point on it. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Does that do anything for you? Jesus did that for you? Listen, Jesus went forward to perceive failure. The world saw it as failure. Well, he's not, I mean, all of his disciples left because they said, well, our freedom is over. We thought he was going to set us free and look what's happened. It, they ignored the facts. Jesus didn't come to set up his throne in Jerusalem at this point, or in Rome, Jesus was establishing the fullness of his throne in glory to give us a place to call home. They ignored the facts, and they did so by believing the lies. A little like a failure. If you come tonight, you'll see pictures of the empty tomb. You'll see pictures of the Via Della Rosa where Jesus carried his cross. You'll see pictures of the judgment hall. You'll see pictures of where Caiaphas was and 
where the high priest home and you'll see the trail there through the Kidron Valley from the Garden of Gethsemane. You'll see Golgotha. You'll see pictures of the empty tomb. Well, I want you to know that so, there's been more lies perpetrated about that area and that scene than anything else in time. You think it's a big deal that some think Elvis is still alive. They said, whatever you do, tell the world that his disciples stole his body. Don't you let this get out. Pilate knew in his heart. Y'all hear me? Pilate knew in his heart Jesus was alive. And some of you today know that Jesus is alive, but you refuse to confess it. My friends, there was betrayal of friends. Peter cursed him. They all left but John. They all left. All of that circle left. And there was only three at the foot of the cross. But my friends, even in that, Jesus was surrendered to suffer. Listen, by measuring success, the world said he's failed. By the world's standards, I mean, he didn't even have any money to buy a tomb. We, we read of the prophecy in Isaiah a while ago. But you know what? He didn't need to buy a tomb. He just left the tags on it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You Amazon shoppers, belt shoppers. Well, don't take the tags off. We'll just take it back. Listen, Jesus didn't need that tomb very long, did he? One day, two days, three days. Boom, Jesus is alive. He said, okay, you can have it back. My friends, when you try to measure your success based on worldly standards, you'll look like a failure every time. But when you are obedient through the blood of Jesus Christ and lay your head down at night, I'm telling you, you will lay it down with the confidence or whether you live or whether you die, you will hear these words, well done, my good and faithful servant. He moved forward to perceive failure. But he didn't fail, did he? It was forward in fulfilling prophecy. Even Caiaphas, the high priest in John 11 said, Do y'all not understand? Do y'all not get it that even our law and our prophecy says that one has to give his life? There's three things to know about Christ's death. First of all, it was substitutionary. Leviticus 16, the day of atonement. We talked about this Wednesday night. We talked about that afflicting one's soul, not eating, not drinking, setting it aside, praying and purifying oneself in the Old Testament. Sins were temporary cover, temporarily covered by the blood of bulls and goats. Scripture says, but those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It's a schoolmaster to say you can't keep it. It is impossible, Hebrews says, for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. It was the substitutionary death at Calvary. It is atoning. You see, John, First uh, John 4.10 says that in this atonement, this is love. That not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Expiation is a good word, but it doesn't do justice to propitiation. For you see, Jesus was not just the offering of the Lamb of God nailed to a cross. He was the high priest who when the veil was rent went in and offered his blood before the Father as the great high priest. He was both the offering and the offerer. The whole package for you and me. He's our propitiation. He's my propitiation because of his atoning death. 
And I want you to understand this. It's not Jesus and. It's not Jesus plus. It is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Only Jesus. He is sufficient. Huh? Y'all with me? Paul even had to be reminded. Jesus came and said, my Grace is sufficient. It's not just sufficient in our salvation. It's in our everyday life. God is well pleased with His Son's sacrifice for He completely satisfied the law and its covenant, ushering in the New Testament. Listen, the disciples were caught off guard by the impending death of Jesus because they thought it would mark the end of a movement. We often get caught off guard when people we love die. We wonder, who's going to replace them? What, what are they going to do? How, who's going to carry on the work? But when Jesus died, there was no one that could replace him. But the movement didn't die. Here we are 2,000 years later. Because it was not an organization, it was an organism living and breathing in the person of Jesus. In fact, the movement, the new covenant, really did not begin till his death and subsequent resurrection. So Jesus understood that he came to die and was not caught off guard by his arrest, by his trial or his crucifixion. He was born for this and he knew it. He came to die for you and me. But then, not only did Jesus go forward in surrender, but he went forward for sacrifice. Listen, real sacrifice is seen in servanthood. It's not about, look, I'll get somebody to do that for you. No, it's not, hey, I'll, I'll just pay for it and you, you won't have to worry about it. Listen, it is laying it on the line, and in doing so, Jesus did the Father's work. You see, servants are often misused and misunderstood, sometimes even severely abused. We see that in verse 18 and verse 19. Very clearly, the Bible teaches us in this scripture that he was, he was betrayed, he was rejected, he was beaten and scourged, he was mocked and crucified. But we need to understand, Jesus did it. Because it was the Father's work for him to do. What is God's work for you? Yesterday, I got home last night and I realized, I'm sunburnt. Man, my lips were burnt and my neck was burnt. And I'm like, whoo. I told Matt this morning, I said, it was a long day yesterday. And I know some of you out at the ball field stuff, but for us here, uh, I was up here Friday night and trying to get some stuff done with the the food, and then it was back Saturday morning around 10.30, something like that, and I left at 7.30 last night. It was a Bible school tired. Y'all know what Bible school tired is? Bible school tired is when you've poured it all out on the line and you saw three kids or seven kids or 30 kids trust the Lord as their Savior, and God's done a great work, and you've hooped and hollered and jumped and ate VBS cookies and drank red drink and kick, kick balls and played all the games and you get home at night and you're like, man, that was great. I'm glad we don't have but a year until the next one. It's Bible school tired. There's just not another tired like Bible school tired. Last night I was Bible school tired. Bible school tired doesn't come close to what Jesus felt at Calvary. He hung on the cross to the point that even all of nature went dark. Now think about that. You think you're having a good dark day? He came. Listen, God doesn't need celebrities. God doesn't need rock stars. God doesn't need social media influencers. What he needs is some servants. People who are willing to say, I don't need any credit. I just want to do what God's called me to do. Men yesterday who laid it all on the line, spent money, spent time, took the risk of inviting their neighbors and then see that neighbor trust Jesus as their Savior? Come on now. 
That's as biblical as it comes. Praise God for faithfulness. Men and women can put on a towel and wash people's feet just like Jesus did. He came to complete the Father's plan. Jesus' ultimate act of service was to give his life a ransom for many. You know what ransom means? To literally reconcile. To pay the price to bring two parties who are at enmity with one another, prophesied from Genesis 3.15, and bring them back into fellowship. Hear me today. God's word tells us now all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, hear me Christians, I just don't believe that God's called me to lead people to Christ. If you're saved, that's not a question. It's not a consideration. It's not up to you. He said, go. If there's a testimony in you, God said it ought to be going out of you and telling the world. He said, now we, now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Listen, that's Paul writing to the church at Corinth. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now, How do we apply this? The truest form of servitude is to become a minister of reconciliation. For someone who does not yet know Christ. Do you know someone who is under the weight and bondage of sin? It's destroying their life. It's destroying their marriage. It's destroying their teenage years. It's destroying their, their happiness in this life because they do not know the Lord. They just believe in fake it till you make it. Well, you can't fake it and make it to glory. And you need to be that minister of reconciliation. Never forget the pain and stress that unforgiven sin can cause a person. The greatest thing we can do is minister that reconciliation by showing them Jesus. To reach out to hurting people in this hurting world that they see what real hope looks like. And then the last thing I want you to see with me. Look in verse 29. And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou Son of David. Now hear me today. Listen to me. They couldn't see a lick. I can take my glasses off and y'all are a beautiful blur. I can read this word fine, but out there, I can't see. But I can put these on and I can see the detail. They couldn't see a thing. No shapes, no colors, nothing. And so they cried out because they understood something that even saved people don't get. Jesus was their only hope. And they said, have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And the multitude rebuked them because they should be quiet, hold their peace. But they cried even more. Listen, when the world says, shut up, we don't want to hear anything you've got to say about Jesus. In love, say it even louder. Keep saying it. Man of sorrows, Jesus Christ. Savior of the world, proclaim him today. Proclaim him this week. Call on his name wherever you may be. When they look over at you and stare when you're praying, listen, you're not praying to them or for them in the sense of trying to please them. You're praying that God bless you and what you're doing. I'm not saying in an arrogant way. They didn't care. They just knew their only hope was Jesus. And he stood still and he called them and said, what will you do? What, what do you want me to do? It's amazing when we pray. 
how much we realize Jesus cares about us. What do you want me to do? You said you want mercy? How do you want mercy? What do you want? They said that our eyes may be opened. And Jesus had compassion on you know, I, I just don't believe Jesus cares about me anymore. I, you just don't understand what I've done. You, you, you don't know my past, preacher. Well, you don't know mine either. I said this the first year I started pastoring at Eastside. If you knew my past, you would have never voted me in as your pastor. But if I'd have known all your past, I wouldn't have come. Because we all have a past. But thank God it doesn't matter because I'm not that man anymore. And it's not because I cleaned it up, I fixed it up, but because I met the master. Church, Jesus came forward to save. He had compassion on them. He touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. You know, just a few verses before, James and John's mom bowed up. You want to talk about the first helicopter mom? She's hovering over Jesus. Hey, I know them other guys are good, but while they're standing over there at the coffee bar, how about James and John, huh? These are some, these are top-notch. These are my boys. These boys are, hey. Won't you just let one of them sit on your side, on one side, and one of them sit on the other when you get to heaven? Don't that sound like a good idea, Jesus? Hey, listen, you don't have to pay me back for that thought. I'm just trying to help you out. Jesus said, you don't have any idea what you're talking about. It's not mine to give. That's the Father's. She was worried about all the pompous, pleasurable being seen things of this world. But unlike her, Jesus granted the blind men's request because her request was not made, or, or their request was not made out of selfishness and pride. It was made out of desperation and faith. Are you desperate for God? If you don't trust him, I want to lay some facts on you right here real quick. If you're saved and you keep thinking or putting off something you know you ought to do because God's word says it, you think about it day in, day out. You think about it when you get up. You think about it. It's not just because it's on your mind. That's the Spirit's conviction in your life. I'm here to tell you, all you will have is misery until you come to the point that you cry out, Lord, have mercy on me and beg him for help. They would not be denied. It didn't matter what the world thought. They could not heal themselves. Only Jesus could fix their problem. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. And not of yourselves, it's a what? I like gifts, don't you? I like gifts. I love a good pocket knife. And you know what? I love to look at and remember who gave me that pocket knife. Love a nice pocket knife. If you're purchasing, I like case primarily. But I love a good pocket knife. But you know, the greatest gift, my parents have given me great gifts. My wife's given me great gifts. I love, don't you love parents when your children make something that the world sees as absolutely useless, but to you it's priceless? But I'm here to tell you, August 9th, 1972, from the foundation of the world and at the foot of Calvary, through an empty tomb, Jesus gave me the greatest gift of them all. He gave me eternal life. The most obvious need that I had on that day was forgiveness of sins. I was blind spiritually, completely devoid of any life. Jesus knew it. And without his intervention, I would die and be cast into hell. But his gift 
For by grace are you saved through faith. It's a gift. It's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Stop being prideful and do what God's called you to do. In closing today, there are several lessons we've looked at today. As Jesus went forward to Calvary. One, Jesus went forward and surrendered. Are you surrendered? Are you surrendered? Because that's the only way to move forward in the body of Christ. Are you moving forward in His sacrifice? Jesus went forward to sacrifice. Are you moving forward in His sacrifice? But the biggest one, and listen, you need to get this this morning. Jesus came forward to save. Can I really give you some great news? He came forward to save you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. We are saved by His grace because we cannot do it ourselves. Church, friends, this, though in a multi-purpose building, Some would call a gym. Some would call this a stage. That's a pulpit, and today this is an altar. And you need to come do business with God. You need to be born again and say, Jesus, you're my only hope. Forgive me of my sins and save me. You need to come and be baptized. It's time to stop putting it off and say, I want to be obedient. I've been saved, but I want to tell the world, the Lord has saved me. And I want to follow just like the Lord's Supper. That's one of the privileges of being saved. The other ordinance, the only other ordinance is baptism. Lord, I need to be baptized. Come. If you need to join this church, God says this is where you belong and you need to be all in. It's time to have one foot somewhere and one foot somewhere else. But be bought into what God is doing here. That God may use you to fulfill your purpose on this earth. You come today and do business with God. Stand and come. Come to Jesus right now.